You are listening to the Religica Theo Lab podcast in the Center for Ecumenical and Interreligious Engagement at Seattle University. This is Michael Reed Trice, professor and director at the Center for Ecumenical and Interreligious Engagement at Seattle University. And today I'm speaking with Dr. Colette Taylor, who among other leadership positions is the program director for education and organizational learning and leadership at Seattle University. And she's also the founding director at the Center for Social Transformation and Leadership. There is so much to say about Dr. Taylor's leadership capacity and interests And I think you'll find this interview just as inspiring as I did. We are speaking about the global context today, about diminishing or frailties inside of the democratic experience, not just in the country, but in the world. And we're discussing the ways in which leadership is essential to all that we do. And it includes the courage to be, self-care, agility, and the intensive effort to transcend ourselves in recognition of the good of the community around us. The Center team hopes that you will enjoy this podcast, so we invite you to take a listen. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Taylor, for taking the time to be in conversation on these important themes today. Thank you so much for the invitation, and I really look forward to our conversation today. Oh, I appreciate it. You know, the, the context that we're in, we might agree in terms of a pandemic age, as some are referring to, more than a viral pandemic. We're seeing other kinds of injustices and societal disequilibriums that are very much a part of our everyday lives today. That includes maybe a a deeper consciousness of of racial reckoning and a sense of displacement that's taken place in the United States and other kinds of international or geopolitical conflicts in Yemen, Myanmar, or Ukraine. We could name more. And it seems time also for a reimagination of where we're going and and how we restore beyond some form of normalization of past structures. And your expertise on adaptive intelligence and framing as a way of reimagining how we might engage in society, in ourselves, with one another, within our families and communities and in society, may well help us to build that sense of shared future at a time where the frailties of democracy are ever-present. If we can have that conversation, can you say more about what you see and what you describe as the world context that is so much a part of our everyday life, and that is also providing a kind of you know, repressive quality on everything we do in our lives today? What do you see? That is such a a great question, Dr. Tyson. One of the things that I see and as I research and I talk to my students about is the world is dynamic. The world is really, I will say, grief-laden. It's uncertain and it's complex. Given where you sit in the world, whether you're a student, whether you're a faculty member, whether you're a community member, whether you're a business leader, you're also a holistic person that the world impacts you in a variety of different ways, mm-hmm. in a variety of different times, in a variety of different situations. And part of what I call the VUCA world is the complexities of the intersectionality of all those things in our everyday lives. I think our world, based on the racial reckoning that we're having, basing our coming in and out of our responses to COVID, we have a very unclear future. And that really asks us to think about how we're going to engage in the world around us and whether or not we have the skills, the capacity to think about all the tremendous pressures that are socially relevant to us in this ecosystem. 
And oftentimes we're responding today in crisis mode. Really? So how do we then engage in the world around us if we're always in uh, in crisis? Yeah. Um, and how do we emotionally handle those issues for ourselves, our communities, our family members, and the organizations that we work in? And to me, that's the context in which we are working when, and that has become, I'll say, triply, doubly so more in the last two to three years. Although this has been a growing context, the, the volatility of our world has been existence for a long time. I think just more people are now more aware of it and more people are actually being, for lack of a better word, experiencing it mm-hmm. now because our world, particularly because of COVID, was shut down. Yeah. So if you, you talk about individuals that have been facing war in Africa or different areas of the Arab world, they have been facing Vuku for a while. Mm-hmm. We personally in the United States have now really the last two years really personally now had to experience it. Could you say a, a word about, you mentioned VUCA as an acronym, and and I know that's what's initiated the conversation. I've heard you speak about this at length. And for the listener, could you say more about that? You already began with volatility and kind of right. lead us down there, that road. Right. So VUCA in the leadership world is really a, kind of an acronym for the four specific terms about how our lives are impacted. And we talk about volatility, which means it's like the race and the speed and the magnitude of change mm-hmm. that is affecting our lives, whether it's in an organization in our community. And when we talk about you in the VUCA, which is uncertainty, means we don't have predictability about how decisions are made or what kind of interactions that we're going to have. We as leaders and community members can't tell you what's going to happen next. So it's very kind of uncertain. Mm-hmm. C in the VUCA in the world is complex. There are so many different factors that play into the dynamics of our organizations and our world and our communities, whether we are a woman, whether we are of color, whether we are in an organization that has structure or we're in a grassroots organization that is just trying to do the best things mm-hmm. that we can. The way we interact in the world is very complex and we can't make decisions because it's really hard to understand the things that are occurring around us in that. And A is really standing for ambiguity, meaning the direction in which I or you should take is not clear. And there's no right or wrong. It's just we don't know which direction that we're talking about. So when we talk about a VUCA world, we're really talking about the volatility, the uncertainty, the complexity, and the ambiguity in which we have to do our daily lives or and how we have to lead in the world that is around us. Do you experience your last point about ambiguity with colleagues, mm-hmm. students, friends, you know, just in society? Is that the most difficult or concerning part, do you think, that the people have, as you mentioned, the sense of directionality, morally, everyday life, what do I do? How do I act? Yes, I think that is true. I think most individuals that at least I've experienced in my world and that I teach and that I research with Mm. like a clear sense of direction. What's the thing for me to do next? What are the steps? You know, I actually relate this to students when we talk about this. Is a lot of individuals like recipes. We cook well when we have a recipe book. Yeah. What is a recipe, a recipe book? We have clear steps of what we should be do next. I need to put the flour in 
I need to put the salt. I need to put it at a 350 degrees for, you know, 20 minutes, whatever you're baking, there's directions, right? Mm-hmm. And when we're in a world of ambiguity, there are no directions. There's no right or wrong. Like I'm trying to bake the cake, but I don't know what kind of cake I'm going to make. So therefore I don't know what directions to follow. Mm-hmm. So many individuals struggle with not having a clear sense of direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a VUCA world, there isn't a clear sense of direction because mm-hmm. our words, our worlds have merged. And my experience is going to be very different than your experience. Therefore, the direction might need to be negotiated. And that, that makes for a lack of clarity. Yeah. Like we might have two different views of how society works or what's important right now to deal with in terms of a fundamental issue that's challenging society. And and what if those directionalities aren't able to be in any way kind of synchronized? Right. Correct. I mean, I think one of the things that I think about often is, and I think part of our biggest challenges we face today is how do we address our different ways of thinking to meet a specific challenge? Because the world is complex, because we have different experiences, because we have different backgrounds, because we have different values, right? We have to think about as an organization, as a community, as colleagues, as a college, how do we work collectively together to make decisions? And particularly in the United States, because we have had such animosity in the last few years about our differences of values, it is more and more difficult to have a clear conversation about how do we work together to solve a problem that we actually probably see differently. I'm so appreciative of what you're saying. And I wonder, given our earlier comments about the pandemic and everything you're noting about volatility and uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, but for the listener also, as we think about, you know, that includes it's happening alongside grief and and lament and other kinds of you know existential or other disruptions that we're experiencing in everyday life. I, I think there's a almost a kind of to the marrow experience of what you're talking about in society right now, people get that we are at an access point of real complexity and difficulty in this country. And having said that, with your work in adaptive intelligence, what does that teach us about how we might have options or choices to respond? I still value that question. I, I often think about, so we're talking about what's wrong, but what is actually what's right, mm. right? So when we think about it, it gives us the opportunity to figure out how we're going to shift our mindsets Mm -hmm. to bring about a little bit of stability and certainty and I'll say simplicity Mm -hmm. of how we interact in our world around us. And for me right now, actually, I'm really, really caught in this concept of how shifting our mindsets around VUCU can help us build resilience. Mm -hmm. How can we get ourselves to be able to survive this complexity in in, a, in healthy ways, right? So one of the things that I think about when you ask me that question is, why do we do what we do and what do we have in common? And can we as leaders, as people together in community, can we ask that question? We can have varying different points of view, but can we start asking ourselves and each other, what do we have in common and how can we create stability by shifting our mindsets in the world around us so that we can be resilient and happy. Because I think all of us just want to be happy. Yeah. I, I think all of us just want to make a difference in the world around us. It doesn't have to be volatile. It doesn't have to be ambiguous. We just have to come to a place in our conversation about how do we reframe how we're thinking around the world 
about the world mm-hmm. so that we can come together to make solutions. So, you know, I, I talk about VUCU, but I think when we talk about how we collectively can shift our mindset, one of the questions I ask is how do we shift those words to make a difference in the world? And the literature talks about shifting VUCU to VUCU in, in a kind of visioning, a visioning and reframing standpoint. So I think that's kind of where I put ourselves of how do we start to shift that idea and have those collective conversations. In those collective conversations and what you've identified, Dr. Taylor, just going directly to that, what do we have in common? How does it mm-hmm. help shape? And the reframing that you're talking about, you mentioned that just this kind of reframing, does that change the acronym entirely? Is there Are there new words that arrive, say, beyond volatility, uncertainty, et cetera? Well, yes. Thank you for that. I think there are new words that arrive. And I think when we talk about what do we have in common, the most important change in that conversation is changing V from volatility to vision. How are we going to collectively paint a picture for our future that we collectively want? As I said, I think collectively, we all just want to be happy and make a difference in the world. So if we shift our mindset of from focusing on, oh, everything is just so volatile. Like, well, what is the vision we want to make? Yeah. How do we, if we talk about, you know, we're at a university, Seattle University, what is the vision that we want to share together? What does Seattle U look like as we come out of the pandemic, right? So kind of creating that vision for ourselves so we can together kind of compass what it looks like, Mm -hmm. you know, and really talk about how we can all benefit for this kind of shared vision of community that would be a kind of a shifting of the way that we think about the the letter v if you will and i think you know then we can follow up with conversations about u c and a you know moving you to understanding how do we understand our interconnections to each other Mm -hmm. having transparent conversations of I am Dr. Kula Taylor, who is a Black woman, mother of two, who has experienced racism, genderism, all those isms on campus. But that doesn't mean that I devalue your experience, whoever I'm talking to. Collectively, how do we bring our experiences together to make a better future at CLEO? What you just said, Dr. Taylor, is so essential to our shared life. Does it take courage? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question because it does. It takes courage, courage to engage in the crucial conversations. It takes courage to be vulnerable and to engage with somebody who is different than yourselves. It takes courage to hear that, how either I or you are engaging in our community may or may not be the best way for us to create a collective vision. Mm-hmm. Oh, so courage is the perfect word because we often get settled with how we experience the world. And to take the the step to acknowledge that we might need to think differently. Mm-hmm. Oh, it takes a lot of courage, but not only value in the people around you, but it also takes it's understanding that it's okay to be vulnerable. Mm. And I think many of us in the world that we live in have been brought up that it's not okay to be vulnerable. Yeah. So having the courage to have those 
as I label them crucial conversations or step into, hey, let's engage in a conversation to create a new vision does take a tremendous amount of courage, which is why it's not done very often. Yeah, right. It's hard work. It's very, very hard work. I know we're moving through the kind of transformation of this earlier acronym in this growth mindset, vision and understanding, but it just strikes me that there are other values, of course, beyond courage. But would you agree that in terms of vision and understanding, courage and these other values enable a kind of like clarity for what needs to come next that if we don't take that transformational step in courage, we're kind of, I don't know, maybe we're repeating the same, perhaps I'm being too skeptical. What do you think? You know, I agree with you. And one of the things that I think is ironic about our conversation is actually in that shift for the C, it talks about clarity. Okay. Right. So maybe we have evolved and had a conversation where the C is courage and clarity together. And, you know, we have to be simplistic about our focus about what counts and what are we doing and why we're doing it. We have to trust each of us who are engaging in this conversation are there for the right reasons, right? And we've got to be transparent about those connections. So that brings a a clarity about how we're going to engage in the work and why we're engaging the work. But ultimately, I want to go back to your statement of it then takes courage to do all this. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right? So if we're going to apply an energy to change the world around us and change our mindsets, we've got to understand that what we're doing, which is the clarity part, and then have the courage to actually enact it yeah, so that we're effective in that area. But part of that also then is as you talk about courage and clarity, we have to develop agility, which is that change of that A. It's not ambiguous. Are we agile enough to be able to shift with a world that is changing rapidly? You know, we've got to have flexibility. And part of that is that flexibility is, are we clear enough about what we're trying to do? And then if we are, then how flexible are we to get it done? Yeah. I was thinking about it as you were speaking, of, you know, even team sports, I, I love to play uh, soccer and just in any example in our lives or research or writing, any of these, I think can be applied in some ways, as I'm hearing you speak about agility in specific ways, I have to displace myself. I'm a part of something that's beyond me. It transcends me perhaps. And agility means maybe I'm not, I'm not in the front row, you know, maybe I'm not the one on the front bench. I'm, I'm a part of something that is greater than me. And that self-displacement doesn't mean that one is denying one's essential need to be. It's just an essential part of being, but family, community, society. What do you think about all that? Oh, I love that. And I think that, so I'm, although I I love sports and and I play sports a lot, I was also a dancer and in the choir. Great. So what are the things when we think about dance or choral work is that you're not always in the front row sometimes when you're in the back sometimes you're a part of a a central part of creating that picture if you are as a dancer or as a a vocalist you are creating and helping the whoever's in the front create the mood the ambiance, the the echo chamber if you will of the song Mm -hmm. if you will and I'm not probably saying that correctly because if my sons would kill me because I'm not that much of a musician, a musician, but it's really, we all have parts to play that doesn't necessarily mean that we're in front. But if you miss that, as my son is a trombone player, he missed that one part of the trombone, the music is not the same, right? 
So us thinking about our agility to be able to play different parts at different moments in time to create that chorus when we're music or as a dancer, for me to come in and play a different part of the theme is important to create the vision that we really are trying to create. And sometimes that means that we have to take a back seat. Yeah. And oftentimes I think in our in our worlds, it's hard for us to take a back seat. One of the roles that I play, you know, in the doctoral program of educational organizational leadership is I t- try to teach students about different ways of thinking about leadership, particularly global leadership. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we have a hard time with our students is our students think about leadership in a very Eurocentric way. Mm-hmm. Leadership, when we think about it from a, from a global context, whether it be indigenous leadership, being African leadership is really more communal. So there's no leader, right? Yeah. And, and we talk about that agility and we talk about how do we come together in those pictures. It's having ourselves take a back seat and think about it differently. That makes us more agile. So, you know, one of the things I try to think about when I think about reframing VUCU is really like, what, what, what can we learn from societies that are not ours? To think about how we shift our mindset to be more collective, to create a better world for all of us. And part of that really, quite frankly, is not centering our worlds around ourselves. Yeah. You're inspiring me. And and the word you used earlier, a few minutes back, was energy. And this sense of my question following what you just said, that level of transformation and willingness and courage and energy that it takes. What is your, you know, in your professional aptitudes, working with students, doing the research, working with leaders and trying these different modalities, can we do it? What is your sense of our capacity generally in leadership to address address that? That's the first question. And the second one is whether we can or can't, what are the kinds of leadership tips that you have that are important for all of us to be mindful of today? Oh, thank you so much for those questions. I think it's great. And I want to kind of start the second question first, if if that's okay, and talk about the leadership tips or skills I think that all of us can always work on is I think one of the things that is important for any individual um, trying to make their way in in this world is try to practice adaptive thinking. And it's really hard, you know, but consciously realizing that I have to think about the world differently. When you're making decisions or you're reacting to situations, sometimes just take a moment and a breath and stop and think, am I doing this from my gut or am I actually taking the time to think about how this would look in the current world to somebody else? So do I need to think about or question myself differently? You know, really practice those those questions of do I know everything I need to know to actually make a good decision and I'll make am I practicing adaptive thinking? That's one of the things. I think one of the things is I think as leaders, we need to be very clear about the goals that we want to create. Okay. Leaders oftentimes have general, oh, I think I want to change this about the world. But are you creating clear, purposeful goals? Are you writing them down? Are you reviewing them regularly? Are you sharing that with the community in which you serve? Mm -hmm. Right. So when we're talking about goal setting, those are kind of skills that we talk about for adaptive leaders. I think one of the things that I think is also 
a skill that I think we need to think about is when we talk about vision, really describe the vision. What is the end result? Mm -hmm. One of the things that we do is like, oh, I want all of our students, I'm talking about higher education here, all of our students to graduate and be able to get a job. Well, what does that actually really look like? Yeah. You know, can you describe it? What's the end results? What's the skills that they have? And how are they going to get them? And what am I as an individual going to do to help them get there? Right. See it in your mind. And then how am I going to enable them to get those skills? Right. So really kind of just not talk about it, but actually write it down, visualize it, and then figure out how you're going to do it. And the other thing is self-care. This is hard work. Oftentimes leaders are so tuned into making things happen or helping others get where they need to go, particularly in this VUCU world. And I'm guilty of myself that we don't think about ourselves. And if we're not taking care of ourselves as we're working through this, we can't practice the skills of adaptive thinking or goal setting because we're tired. Mm -hmm. Right. So one of the most important things that I that I am really kind of going back and reflecting on, not only for myself, but the leaders that I train and the organizations that I work with is how do we do practice self-care in a VUCA world? Mm-hmm. Because we've got to distress in order to think clearly. We have to take the time to realize, you know, I know everybody else has an emergency, but I can't actually respond to you appropriately because I've been up for 14 hours. Yeah. So how do we incorporate those practices of self-care and self-management into our leadership practices? So those are a couple of things that I would ask for people to think about as they go into and thinking about if they can do it. Because my answer is, yes, we can. Yeah. We can do this. It's more of, do you want to? Yeah. So... I think it's taking the time to think about whether or not you are willing to have the courage. If you're willing to stop, take a breath and think about how you're interacting differently. And in some respects, and this is a whole different conversation, but are you willing to give up your power? Yeah. And I wonder, you know, to the points you're making here and given the earlier conversation, we're talking about the pandemic age and the societal disruptions and injustices and, and that saturated in society was before, but there's a focus on it today, like a Klieg light that we have to use well while we're in this moment. And to just use a little different image aligned to your points, a rear view mirror is not a windshield. Like our only future is what's in front of us. And the courage to be that you're describing our shared sense of what will be the sinewed values of our our democracy is it's the only option forward or ruin, not to be like alarmist, but leadership matters. That's what I hear you saying. Yes, leadership matters. And I think leadership matters in a way that leadership is not about you. Mm-hmm. Leadership is about our community and where we want to go and what vision that we want to do. And often one of the things that I get challenged about is when I talk about leadership, you know, we can quote all different types of leadership theorists, right? And what makes a good leader? And I often say leadership is not about the leader. Leadership is about the community. And when we talk about leadership, we want to talk about what are the conversations that we're having? 
yeah. around the community that we're having? Are we having clarifying conversations? You know, are we making decisions differently when we realize that we have been in a VUCA world and that not everybody has had the opportunity to be at the table, if you will. And now that we're recognizing it, particularly because of the racial reckoning, how are we changing our decision-making processes? Do we have the courage to do that? Mm-hmm. That's when I talk about, do we have the courage or are you willing to give up your power mm-hmm. when you do that? You know, part of that conversation is really, not only do you have the agility to be able to be flexible, know that it's important to change your course when you're having conversations or making decisions, not only for yourself, your family, and your community, but are you willing to adapt the changes that are necessary? Because it's not just about agility and thinking and decision-making. It's like actually following through and adapting the changes. I really hear you clearly on the need to dispossess oneself of power centers that are based on societal moderns, societal models of self-governance from a Eurocentric system that without being in dialogue with other kinds of leadership capacities, structures, and systems coming from the African continent, coming from indigenous wisdom around the world, coming from other places we've already identified, then we struggle to displace ourselves because we don't trust what other possibilities might be available. I want to ask that in light of how you see what we should be aspiring to in the United States and maybe in the world. Thank you for that question. I think one of the things when we're talking about agility and adapting is having the ability to understand the world that is not us. How do we empower individuals that are like us, that are different from us? How do we share those stories? Mm. How do we acknowledge the strength that have come from those different cultures that are not ours? Because those cultures have been around us for a long time. Mm. They have been significant. But at particularly in the United States, and when we talk about leadership and we talk about VUCU, we are very kind of stuck in our own world. And I think I would challenge leaders of today, which I believe every single one of us are leaders, is to empower yourself and empower those around you to hear the stories of those cultures that are different, that have made change in their communities. You know, we as a team can deliver a different world if we work together, but the only way that we can work together is to empower each other. The only way we can empower each other is to understand each other and to hear each other. And part of that is actually taking a moment to step back, to think about the world, not only from my perspective, but from others. In our current society in the United States, that is our challenge. We are very stuck in our own silo. But if we're going to be a community, we got to step outside of that. And understand that what I do today impacts not only you today, but my children for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And being able to work in creating an empowerment zone, as I call it, of everybody's stories and abilities and thoughts and decisions as a part of that community are valued so that everyone has a seat at the table. That is the way that we're going to deal with this VQ world. Empowerment zone, to your point, agility, 
courage and other values. Friends, I'm in conversation today with Dr. Colette Taylor, who among other areas of leadership is the program director in educational and organizational learning and leadership at Seattle University and the founding director at the Center for Social Transformation and Leadership. Thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the Religica Theolab podcast in the Center for Ecumenical and Interreligious Engagement at Seattle University. To learn more about the center's work and for resources to be used in local communities, visit us at seattleu.edu slash the center.